0: morning. Since I was last before you months ago, I've had some vocal therapy, so my voice is a little stronger now. Hopefully you can hear better. When I see these children baptized, it reminds me of when Meredith was baptized, our daughter, and Allison, who's with us today, and John. All three were baptized, and uh and They knew what they were doing. They understood that Jesus was their Savior, just like these children. And it does bring tears, because like the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, when a woman lives in a way that is meek and submissive, without giving up their personality or rights, God speaks into the family through that. In the first service, there was a man and his daughter was daughter-in-law was baptized and he could hardly speak he had so many tears. And I've seen the most macho men, men with strong personalities, a lot of rebellious, I want nothing to do with God. I've seen many of those men's lives turn around by what 1 Peter 3 says is the behavior of the wives and the family. And God softens that heart. God draws that heart. And God makes a man want that more than anything. So it's great to see families come here and to see the biblical mandate of the ordinance of baptism carried on in the next generations. It's a wonderful blessing to see that. We're thankful for that. And this morning I'd like to speak with you about the subject found in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, called In Everything Give Thanks. Not for everything, in everything in the midst of everything give thanks I've never understood how people were praising God after they shut their hand in the car door never made any sense to me or after the car goes off the road and hits a tree and is totaled it's hard to give thanks for that And it's difficult when one of your children has difficulty to give thanks for that. That's why a more careful reading of the text says in everything give thanks, not for everything. Because you never know where that bad situation is going to lead. I've lived long enough to know that They lead to good places. They lead to growth, better understanding of life. They lead to a more virtuous life, with the fruit of the Spirit being much more evident. And they lead to a more thankful spirit. In our Christian culture, we teach thankfulness from birth. It's in the same category as holding a fork, using a napkin, saying hi to people when prompted to do so. At first, it is all by rote repetition, with the hope that at some time in the future, the child will spontaneously express thankfulness. However, children learn as much by observing what others do, especially their parents if they hear thankful expressions coming from their parents they will tend to repeat those words if not they will not since they will not we are seeing a culture that is showing less gratitude because either they have not been trained to express it or they have not seen it practiced as they grew up in fact we're experiencing the opposite. Many people today express criticism or complaining about things or people or places. Giving has been minimized and receiving maximized. Taking has become the rule. Manners are minimally demonstrated which indicates a breakdown of Christian values in our society, which are derived from the Bible, not the Constitution. The Constitution is derived from the Bible, in large part, not the other way around. So I'd like to talk to you about what the Bible actually says about thankfulness. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew ha-karata ha-ta, ha ha-ta, is employed to mean seeing and recognizing the good in things. And I'll be very open with you, as a younger man I did not see that so much. I was able to see the black dot on the paper every time and see the things that weren't the way I thought they should be. My wife often saw the rest of the page and would say, yes, but what about this? Did you notice that? Often I didn't. I didn't like being reminded of it either. (laughs) But I've come to be thankful for that. Not the way I used to be. There's another word as well, and that's Y-D-H, yida. Yidda means, it's a noun, thanks or thankfulness. It's a quality or a quantity. We see these words used 102 times to express thanks in Scripture. It's a very prevalent word. I'd like to share with you some verses in the Old Testament where these words are used in different contexts. For example, in Ezra 3.11, With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. And the word Lord, not on the screen, but in Scripture, is all caps. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That always means to the reader the God of covenant promises. And so whenever you see that, this is the Lord God, the God of covenant promises, who you're praising and thanking. Because he never, never does it fulfill a promise. He is good. His love to Israel endures forever. In Psalm seven seventeen. We read, I will give thanks to the Lord, capitals again, because of his righteousness, and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. The word Lord, there are capitals, and so is the word most. There was a created being once who said, I will be like the Lord I will sit on the Mount of the Congregation in the sides of the North. I will be like the Most High. He never said it, though. He only thought it. But God Almighty knew his thoughts. And he was from that point condemned and thrown out of heaven and cut down to the ground. His name was Lucifer, which means bright and shining one. But now his name is Satan which is the condemned. Psalms 9.1 says, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. You see the phrase, all my heart, in Scripture quite often. And that speaks of the human being's intentions. What you're intending to do and planning to do and will do. That's with all your heart. Psalms 35, 18. I will give you thanks in the great assembly among throngs of people. I will praise you. I will never be ashamed to thank you, God, no matter where I am, even in large groups of people. I want them to know that you're my God, and I thank you for it. Psalm sixty-nine, thirty. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. The highest form of worship of the human being toward God is song, because it involves your mind, your will or your heart, your emotions in your body, all of it to sing. Psalms 95, verses 1 through 3. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord, capitals. Let us shout aloud for the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord, capitals, is the great God, the great King above all gods. And then the most famous psalm of praise, Psalms 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, capitals, all the earth. Worship the Lord, capitals, with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord, capitals, is God. It is he who made us, and we are the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and his praise. Praise his name, for the Lord is good, and his love endures forever." His faithfulness continues through all generations. A psalm of praise. Some of the students in the Christian school I administrated put this song to words. Many places we would travel, either on field trips or to sports events, back and forward on the bus, they would sing these songs, the scripture. I remember that one specifically. And so the, the Old Testament, speaks frequently about praise and thanksgiving to God because they recognize the good things. They recognize the good in God. Maybe there have been times in your life where you've been thankful for this kind of thing that God has done. Let me share a few times in my life. I'm old enough now. Now, when I read the obituaries, about two thirds of the people are younger than I am that are in there. So there's an experience level that I didn't have as a young man. At 16 years of age, at 12 years of age, actually, in Pennsylvania where I grew up, you can hunt, you can carry a rifle. Get a license. As long as you have an adult with you, you can hunt. So, that was something I wanted to do because all of my friends did and all the kids did. In fact, when hunting season began, deer season particularly, school was closed. Imagine that. School was closed. So, like everybody else, I went out and bought my license. There's a big pin through a a plastic holder that will hold it, you pin it on your back. Had to wear red, no camouflage, bright red, bright orange. And I was invited to go with my friend's father's group. There were 38 of us. We were going out to harvest enough deer for the the whole winter season. In that part of the country, the deer are in herds. There's not four or five or two or three. There's 30 or 40 or 50 of them, and they are a herd. So there's bucks, does, and fawns. Well, when deer season starts, usually it's doe season. So we were going out, and they divided the group into two parts. There were those that were going to be on the drive. that were going to scare the deer through the woods to the clearing on the other side which was about a half to three-quarters of a mile away. On the other side in the clearing would be people with their weapons, with their rifles and shotguns, and they would be there waiting, and as a deer came running out of the woods, they'd shoot them. So it's more of a system than it is a sport at that point. We're going to get our deer for the winter. So because I was one of the young guys, I was on the drives, all day long, running through the woods, hooping and hollering and trying to scare the deer, banging sticks on the bushes and stepping on every branch, making every noise that I could. So we went through several of those drives, and I was fairly tired, late in the afternoon, before dusk. My friend's father said, Jack, why don't you take my rifle and go down and be on a stand? Just you've earned it. Oh, sure, I'd love to do that. So they took me down to the clearing, and I'm standing there with a great big 300 Savage. And I'm like this with that thing. And I'm wondering if I was going to get to shoot it, because when when my friend's father shot it, I mean, he went way back, it had such a kick to it, and I was wondering if I'd never shot it before. So I took it, and I went down to the stand, and I'm waiting there, and I can hear the the guys hooping and hollering, getting closer and closer, and I start to see quite a long ways away from me deer flying out of the woods, running and bounding over the snow. That much snow. Soon after that, right in front of me, I heard zip, 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 zip. I looked down and bullets were making tunnels in the snow. Somebody was shooting right at me. Then I dropped down on my knees. And within a couple minutes, everybody came walking out. They had come to the end of the drive. There was a lot of shots farther down. Several deer were were killed. And I almost was killed. And one guy came up to me. He says, what are you doing down on your knees? I said, take a look and you can see. I thought I was going to be shot. I'm out in the open. There's no place to hide or run. And I wasn't going to lay flat down in the snow. But I got down on my knees. And I stood up. And right then, I said, thank you, God. You saved my life. Everybody, they came over. They were amazed. They didn't have any idea. Nobody admitted shooting, of course. But I was thankful. And I remember thinking, God, my thoughts, the rest of that day, till dusk came and we headed out. Thank you, Lord. You saved my life. Another time, I I was in the the Navy and submarines. My job was navigation, so I was always up in the conning tower, which is a top level. And the submarine that I was on had been called into the yards for a major overhaul. Every two years, they take every submarine into the yards, take it all apart, cut holes in the hull, and with cranes, they haul the engines, and everything goes out. Everything is chipped and painted and shined and like made all new. So when it came time to come out of the yards and everything's back together, it's all been tested, we now have to launch it again and we're going to go to sea trials to make sure everything's okay. That's the day all the upper rank people, both enlisted and officers, they all have something else to do and they don't show up. They take a day of leave. But not us. So I had to go out. And you go out, and you go past the continental shelf to the point where you can dive deep. And I remember we got about every 100 feet, you stop. And there are people in every compartment that have sound powered telephones reporting, no leaks, everything's okay. Then the captain orders the next 100 feet. We got down about two or 300 feet. And they started reporting leaks. But the leaks were mostly valves that went to sea, and the pressure of the deep water was causing the packing to loosen up and there were leaks. And they just tighten it up. They had engineers in every compartment. They just tighten it up and that would stop it. But I remember standing next to the helm, and above me is the hatch at the end of a, about an eight-foot ladder that leads up to the top of the conning tower. That's what keeps you from sinking, because if you leave it open, everything comes in. So the last person down pulls that shut, and dogs it. And it was leaking profusely, like a gallon or two a minute. Really, really leaking. Water's flowing down into the bilge area, which flows down all the way down the ladder into the control room, which is full of people trying to dodge the water. It's going down to the bilges, and we're filling up so fast, we can't pump it to sea fast enough to keep from sinking. So they're pumping, and they're blowing air in the tanks, trying to keep it from going down. At that point, somebody told a joke. Nobody laughed. And one guy, declining to our below, said, at a depth like this with us leaking, your cracking jokes. And I remember at that time thinking, Lord, are we going to make it out of here? Pretty soon, it stopped going down. It just started coming back up. We got to the surface we're able to open the hatch, blow the tanks dry, the event was over. But they had to go back into the yards to fix whatever that was on the upper hatch. Thank you, God, you saved my life again. A year or two later, coming out of the military, I'm heading home. We have a brand new 65 Mustang. And I should have stopped. It was late at night, but I wanted to drive straight through. My wife was waiting back in Massachusetts that I was driving up from Norfolk. And when I got to uh, Connecticut, there was a new road, I-91, had just been built, and I decided to take it, although I had never been on it. And it was beautiful, but there were no lines. So I had trouble staying in it, and I'm sleepy, and I'm staying on it. And I went under overpass, and as soon as I came out the other side, Sheets and torrential rain just doused like somebody was up there pouring in on me. I couldn't even get the wipers on fast enough. And in the process of reaching down, I swerved, and the car is going around, and I'm seeing my reflection in the windows thinking, this is it. This is it. I had no idea this is how it was going to end. And I remember rolling and flying off the road, rolling this way down a steep bank, end over end, and finally, stopped, and trying to orient myself. I could see the dash lights. Dash lights were up here. And the roof of the car was down there. I had my seatbelt on. I released it, and I hit my head on the rearview mirror going down. That's the only injury I had. Rolled the window down, turned the key off, and crawled out. The car was nearly totaled, brand new. Nearly totaled. Walked up the bank, right then a state policeman came by and put me in the car and so forth. Thank you, God, you saved me again. Maybe you've had experiences similar. Maybe not exact, but maybe you've seen or been involved in something very serious. Did you thank God? Or did you say, whoa, that was close? There are lots of other things in my life because I was kind of rebellious as a young guy. I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful especially because I changed. Well, similarly, in the New Testament, the word most used is a Greek word, eucharisto. Eucharisto means grateful or gratefulness. We see it in the following verses. just going to share a few of them with you. Ephesians 5:18 through20. Do not get drunk with wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. always, always, always giving thanks to God, the Father in everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, in those days, most people drank wine because the water was impure. Not everybody did, but most did. It was acceptable. But, too much wine with alcohol, it said, leads to debauchery, which really means people behaving at the lowest level of animal instinct. If any of you have had too much to drink... Or you've been with people who have. You know how crazy it can be. People get down to that level pretty fast. And a lot of crazy things happen. Crimes are committed. Abuse. Rape. All kinds of stuff happens because of the influence of alcohol. So they said, don't do that. Instead... Be filled with the Spirit. If you ask the Spirit to fill you, He will. Then it says, Speak to no another another, the Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So music speaks. Psalms would be the Psalms in the Bible, the songbook of the Old Testament. Those are all written, no new Psalms are written, they're complete. Hymns are songs full of theology written about God and sung to Him. Songs like, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above. Those are hymns. And then spiritual songs are songs about how we feel about God, sung to Him. So all three of those kinds of songs are sung today. Psalms, not so much. Hymns, depending on where you attend church and how much of it is mixed in with the songs. But most of our songs are spiritual songs where we're talking about our experiences and how we feel about God sung to him. I'm going to skip a couple here. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. So the obvious observable result of all the teaching, all the training, and all the experience is an overflowing of thankfulness. God, I cannot believe... All the things you've done for me. I don't deserve it either. Look what you've done. In Colossians 3, 15 and 17 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Permit it or allow it. Since as members of your body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. There's Eucharisto. Back in Philippians 4, it said, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and repetition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So, There's an attitude that we're supposed to have here. We saw it throughout the Old Testament. Now we're seeing it in the New Testament as well. We see in Hebrews 12, 28 and 9, Therefore, or thus, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. And then this passage, it's called the Sacrifice of Praise passage. Hebrews 13, 15 and 16. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Key verse today that was at the beginning was 1 Thessalonians five, sixteen through eighteen. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I think Psalm thirty four says I will praise the Lord at all times, no matter what happens. Because something good will come out of it. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm looking forward to finding out what it is. I have a few parting thoughts for you that you might try to remember because it helps us to be thankful. We live in a culture that's not thankful. I can remember being taught by my father to open doors for women and ladies and girls entering a building to let them go first. I always did it. Open the car door first. Let people go first. And uh, people are so not used to it that when you do it today, women stop and look at you like, what's wrong with you? What did you do that for? That doesn't speak very well of our implementation of being thankful and showing good manners. So, one of the best things about thankfulness is that the more you choose to thank, the easier it gets. And you start thinking about being thankful. Even children can be trained that way. I am so blessed by a child that looks to me and says, thank you, and there's no adult there to prompt them to do it. I'm so thankful for that. It blesses my heart. They get it. The more you profess gratitude, the more you notice things to be thankful for. You ever notice that? The more you thank the Lord the more he reminds you of the other things that he has also done for you. Gratitude can change actions. We call it an attitude of gratitude. Three, we give thanks to God for all he has done and all he is doing. Sometimes we don't think about what he is doing, just what he has done. We remember it. When the peace of Christ rules in our hearts, thankfulness overflows. Even in the darkest of times, we can praise God for his love, his sovereignty, and his promise to be near us when we call. There were a few generations of people standing up here a little while ago and I'll bet you the oldest person is so thankful for this generation and this one and this one to see them continue in the teaching and the training of God's word. I'll bet when you see one of your children that's off here somewhere, turn around and come back. You are thankful. Because in Psalms 27 it says, Children are like arrows. And you know, if you've ever shot, you use the bow and arrow, you pull back and you let the arrow go, intending to go to the target, but a lot of times it goes off, just a little bit, just a small error, but over time it becomes a big distance, and the only thing that can bring that arrow back to the target, since you can't go back and run after it and chase it and pull it back, is God bending it back to the target. Have you experienced that? Seen that in your family? You may, if you have children, one of them may be over here. You can't do anything about it, but you can pray and ask God to. And he will. Who knows how long it may take. It doesn't matter. He will. Have you ever had a financial reversal where you almost lost everything and you didn't have enough money to make ends meet. And you didn't know what you were going to do, where it was going to lead. And you walk out to the car, through the snow. You go to the car, getting ready to brush it off. You look through the window and there's an envelope on the front seat. And the car's locked. You have to go back inside, get the keys and come out to unlock it. And when you open it and pick up the envelope, there's $50 cash in it. How'd that get there? The car was covered with snow. No tracks, no brushing it off. No tracks on the sidewalk leading to the car. Car's locked. How did that get there? Thank you, Lord. It must have been you. Or you're heating your house with wood. And it's very cold, below zero. And you run out of wood. You thought it would last, but there's a month left, and you're out of wood. You've burned seven cords of wood, and you still don't have enough. And you don't have any money. What are you going to do? So you go to work, and you come home at the end of the day, and you look on the backyard, and there is a pile of split wood waiting to be used. How did that get there? Who did I ask for? Who did I go to and say, you know, I'm short on wood. Just God. Thank you, God, for that. Most recently, I was hoping sometime living in a golf cart community to have a golf cart. But it wasn't a necessity. I didn't expect I'd get one. And prices are going up now. If you want to get a new one, you're going to pay $10,000, dollars $12,000. Unless you get a yesteryear, now it's $20,000. And maybe a five or six-year-old one that needs the batteries replaced or the engine overhauled, maybe five or 6000 I didn't see it happening. I didn't want to use the money for that. So I was doing a little work for the census. And I went into this neighborhood. And knocked on the door, there was no answer. So I went around to the side door under the carport and I went to knock on the door. And I noticed the glass is broken out of it. This guy next door comes part way over between the houses and he says, Yeah, nobody lives there right now. He's gone. He says, I know, because we had a big argument and I punched him in the face. I just got out of jail. I've been there for eight months. So I'm thinking I probably should finish up here. <laughs> so I uh, turned around, and I started to walk away. He said, hey, by the way, you know anybody that wants a golf cart? And I said, well, maybe. So I went and looked at it, and it's pretty beat up and pretty run down, dirty. Windshield busted out of it. And I said, well, I'll, I'll think about it. He said, I want 300 bucks for it. What? Three hundred can't we can't work. So I went home and talked to my wife. She says, "Well, you got a birthday coming up. Well, you know, maybe we'll offer him hundred dollars for it." So I went back to this place and said, um, "You drive it up to the entrance. I want to see it work." So he drove up the entrance, went about twenty miles an hour up to the entrance, and then later on we followed him. He brought it back. So I gave him hundred fifty dollars. For the golf cart. It runs great. There's really nothing wrong with it. I don't know why he wanted to get rid of it. But I got my golf cart for $150. bucks. <laughs> was not a necessity, but I've used it quite a bit since. And then, in closing, we were struck with illness in our family. Um, Ten years ago, my wife uh, had cancer and had surgery, and she went through treatments, and um, it didn't come back. And so they declared her cancer-free. I think it was six years they declared her cancer-free, but it came back after ten years. And it was a different kind. So we're in the hospital for a long time. And there was surgery. And there was recovery. And it was difficult. Because now you're 10 years older, your body isn't quite as resilient as it once was. And so there was a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. Uh, difficult times when the staff wasn't able to take care of things or they gave you the wrong meds, or whatever happened. We spent a lot of hours and a lot of days there. A lot of prayer. Many of you prayed. God answered. There she is. Stand up. Stand up. So, I will always be thankful. And God says, don't forget it. Every morning, we pray and thank God every day. Let's pray. Lord, teach us to be thankful, whether it's by removing things that we need, whether it's by hardship whether it's by health or finances or wayward kids, whatever the case may be, Lord, please teach us to be thankful. We are so thankful and so blessed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: How many of us have been reminded today of things that we need to be thankful for? Lots of things. Probably if we were to take a mic and we were to spread it out and let stories be told, it would probably amaze us of the stories that we would tell about the things that God has done. One of the greatest things we have to be thankful for today is our Lord Jesus Christ. In the 2000 years ago, he made a decision. He chose to give his life as a sacrifice for us. And today we have the privilege of celebrating the Lord's Supper. Uh, if you didn't get one of these packets when you when you walked in, um, if you'll raise your hand, we'll make sure that we get you one. We have some upstairs that we need. Um, they're going to come. Jeff, we've also got Brian. You're going to take some upstairs. This packet is, can be pretty clumsy just to help you out. There's, the bread is contained in here as well as the juice. And to, to be able to get the bread out, is, just take the front and you can mash that tab down and the, there's a piece of plastic that will come off. But I'm reminded today that it was in the Old Testament that the people of God remembered the great things of God through the celebrations and festivals that took place. And it was at that time their devotion was solidified and it was strengthened as they would go back and remember the stories. And today, as Jack has shared, you know, today we need to be reminded of the great things that God has done, not only in other people's lives, but in our own lives. And for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, this is an opportunity for us to give thanks and remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave. In the New Testament, it was Jesus himself that instituted the Lord's Supper when he gathered with some of his closest friends in the celebration of Passover and it was during that time that he took the bread and he broke it. And then he took the juice and he drank it and he said that the, it was the bread that was a, a representation of his body that would be broken and it was the wine that was a representation of his blood that would be shed. In the New Testament in Paul's teachings when he, when he taught the church at Corinth, he, he talked to them just about what the Lord's Supper was but also in the midst of that he answered some questions for us. One of the things that he had said, he said is very important for those of us that, that celebrate the Lord's Supper for us to examine our lives. And And uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to give you an opportunity to go before the Lord and pray. Sometimes when people come, they, they're they like, especially when they've never been to church or they've been to church a few times, they go, well, what's happening here? Who can participate in this? And it's for those that are, that are followers of Jesus. And and if you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, you're, just, you're welcome to just sit quietly and observe. For those of us that are parents, it's a great time for us to be able to instruct our kids and share with our kids why we're doing what we're doing. But before we partake of the Lord's Supper today, um, we wanted to give you a minute or two just to be quiet before the Lord, to examine your life, if there's something that's, that maybe you need to take before the Lord and confess it, now's the time to do that. The Bible said, if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning, we want to give you that chance. So as Travis plays, would you just take 30 seconds or so? And and then after that time, we will celebrate the Lord's Supper. Father, thank you for the forgiveness of sins, for the opportunity of not being held any longer under the the power of sin, but we have freedom to live for you. Not being held any longer under the penalty of sin, but recognizing that you paid that price once and for all when you became the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for the sins of the world. Thank you, Father, for the price that was paid. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I go back to the words of Paul when he was writing there to the Corinthian believers. And this is what he said as you can undo that top piece there to reveal your, your wafer. It was Paul that said, for I received from the Lord what also I passed on to you that the Lord Jesus Christ on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you, and do this in remembrance of me. goes on to say that in the same way after supper that he took the cup, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood, and do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of of me. I'm reminded that as we, as we drink this cup and as we eat this bread, it reminds us that we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again, but be reminded that as his children that one day he's coming back. Amen? We have a responsibility. We have purpose in life that as believers that we are to be his hands and feet into this world in which we, we live, we work, and we play. As we begin to close out, I want you to watch this little piece of a video clip as we begin to enter into what's called the Advent season um Watch this little clip with us. Next Sunday, I will begin a new sermon series on God with us. I was sharing with some of the staff earlier, if there's ever a year that we need to be reminded of God's presence, it's this year, right? I think that in the midst of all these distractions that we've had, some of us have forgotten that. Um, It's been confirmed that this is the right thing to do, especially in conversations with people and listening to their stories of where they are listening to their stories of things that they're facing. And we're going to talk about the fact that in the midst of the valley that God is there, and on the mountain top that God is there, and in walking in the wilderness that God is there. And we're going to come face to face with the fact that God is with us. And so we're going to look at that as we walk through and as we begin this Advent season, anticipating the birth of a Savior. He is here, God in flesh, incarnate. I want to pray for us as we walk out these doors today. Father, what a blessing it is for us to come into this house to give thanks to you, to be reminded of the things that we're to be thankful for. Father, what a blessing it is to hear the reading of your word, to listen to the music that stirs our hearts. Father, to watch the baptismal waters as they remind us of life change that takes place when a heart is humbled and we submit ourselves to you and we say, Jesus, save us. Today, it's been a good day. But I pray that as we walk out these doors, we'd be reminded and challenged with the responsibilities that we have to be your ambassadors to this world, to bring the hope that God is with us to this world in which we live. Father, I pray for us that we would have an incredible week this next week. Father, we'd be excited about looking for ways that we can give thanks to you, seeing inside of those difficult circumstances, Father, that maybe you're at work and maybe you're doing something that we don't understand or can see. But Father, we can trust you because we know that you're God and you love us. Father, encourage us this week. Help us to be encouragers to others. Help us to be billboards for you. Help us to be the mouthpiece. Father, may we speak words of encouragement to those that we come in contact and let them know what changes lives. is Jesus. It's the birth of a Savior. May we get excited about this Advent season as we anticipate the birth of Jesus, but recognize now in the 21st century that you are here among us. Bless us, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You guys have a great week this week.